Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 246 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I was joined by Kurt Budliger, a full-time professional photographer from Vermont. I've had the pleasure of knowing Kurt for several years and have always admired his photography, positive attitude, and work ethic. Kurt and I had a fantastic chat on the podcast this week discussing his journey, how he balances full-time landscape photography with family life, and how his experience as an outdoor environmental educator has impacted his career in photography. Over on Patreon this week, Kurt and I discuss why it's important to go outside of our comfort zones and what that even looks like. All right, well, let's get to the show. All right, Kurt Budliger, it's awesome to have you on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not going to lie. When I first sat down in 2017 and made a list of people that I wanted to invite on the podcast, your name was on that list. It's just taken us almost five years to pull it off. It's all good, man. It's, uh, <laughs> you know what they say, the best things come to those who wait. Right. You're like, a, you're like a fine wine, right? Yeah, there you go. That's me. That's exactly how my friends would describe me as a fine wine. Right, or, a, or an aged whiskey, perhaps? <laughs> yes, uh, an oak barrel aged whiskey, probably. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Cool, man. Well, I mean, you know, we first met each other because uh, you and your buddy Joe do workshops on occasion out here in Colorado. And David and Jennifer always do NPN meetups. And I think we met at one of those at one point in time. And it was great to finally put a face with the name. But now we're doing it legit, one-on-one. Yeah, so. Man. This is going to be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm psyched. Yeah. So for people that aren't familiar with you and, and your photography, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I am a Vermont-based photographer. I live um, sort of north central Vermont, just outside of Mont, uh, Montpelier. I almost said Montpelier because that's what I call it with you know all my friends here in Vermont. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a full-time photographer. Um, I specialize and kind of focus mostly on nature and landscape um, now. And, and actually, that's how I sort of started in photography. Um, like a lot of people, you know, the photography was a gift from my folks, essentially. Um, you know, when I was getting out of uh, undergrad, um, I got I went to school in Colorado. I went to Colorado State. Go Rams. Oh, okay. That's yeah. where my wife went. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was there in like the early 90s. And when I graduated um, with a, a degree in natural resources, I, I sort of had a concentration in interpretation and environmental education. And my dad ha- was also in that field. And so he saw the value in, you know, being able to tell stories um, and then also having a visual component to those stories. And, you know, I was going to be kind of going off and pursuing a career in interpretive, um, interpretive as an interpretive naturalist and things like that. And so my graduation gift was a 35 millimeter camera. Sweet. And uh, yeah, it was great. And I had dabbled a little bit. My dad always had cameras when I was a kid. Um, and, you know, I, I played with them and, you know, he would show me how they worked and let me take photos and things like that. Um, but I never, I was never a photographer, um, but I was a really visual kid. And, you know, when I got an assignment in school, the first thing I did was figure out what the visual component was going to be all about. You know, <laughs> the, 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 the writing part, you know, that was always like, ah, I'm later. so interested in that. 
but the, the you know the artistic and visual part of it was the thing i was most interested in um and i also like gadgets so it was oh, like yeah. this like perfect sort of like melding you know this this really cool little box with interchangeable lenses and you know loading film in it and you know auto focusing and the, the the sound of the shutter and manipulating the aperture like that was just really really cool um so anyway so i got this camera as a gift and I headed up to Alaska for the summer to work as a guide and I, you know, I took a sack of film and this camera and I shot tons of photos all summer, but couldn't get any of the film processed. Uh, it was a backcountry lodge. And so when I got back to the lower 48, I had all this film and I had seen all this amazing scenery, beautiful mountains and just, you know, never ending light. Um, and it was just incredible. And of course, when I got my film processed and looked at it, I was like, this is awful. Like they were terrible, not in focus, you know, of course, film, you know, had a very limited dynamic range. And so I had like tons of overexposed or underexposed frames and right. it was just awful. So anyway, so that sort of set me out on this quest to, you know, get better rather than giving up. I was like, well, there has to be something to this. You know, there's all these photographers in the world that are producing these incredible images that I see in magazines and books all the time. And they're using the same exact film. So, you know, I must be right. doing something wrong. Right. That's obviously so, me. <laughs> it's obviously me. Completely 100% user error. Um, so anyway, so I, I kind of, you know, decided to just sort of dedicate myself to, to figuring this out. So as a result, I'm primarily self-taught. Um, I've been a professional photographer now for 16 years. Um, my only real interest at at the beginning of it all was nature and landscape and, and sort of natural scenes. Like I had no interest in photographing people, um, no interest in photographing like the human landscape, like none of it, just, you know, perfectly unfettered like nature. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, at the point at which I, I left a teaching career um, to pursue photography full time, you know, I very quickly realized with like a baby at home, like I've got to pay the mortgage and, you know, trees, uh, they don't pay the bills really. At least they didn't then. And so I kind of branched out and I started gigging for a couple local newspapers as a stringer. And so that was like, you know, trial, you know, out of the frying pan and into the fire and, you know, walking into a city council meeting and having 10 minutes to produce a usable photo for the next edition of the paper it just requires that you just get good and you right. know, find there's angles very, quick. There's very little air, uh, room for error. Exactly. And, and yeah. you're also trying to make, you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit, basically. <laughs> so it's like, so that teaches you, you know, kind of really quick. And then, so I was doing that. And then I was working for some magazines. Um, I was dabbling in portraiture. And then at that point, like it was friends of ours were getting married. And so they're like, oh, well, Kurt's a photographer. Oh, of like, course. hey, will you shoot our wedding? And I'm like, I'm a nature photographer, not a wedding photographer. Right. And so, you know, reluctantly, I was like, yeah, okay, I guess I'll do it. And then that kind of, you know, led to shooting weddings in the summertime for a bunch of years um, when my kids were really little because, you know, I needed to pay the bills. Um, yeah. So I've done a little bit of everything, some, you know, outdoor lifestyle. Um, I really got into fly fishing photography probably about 10 years ago because that's my other, you know, real love and passion aside from photography is, is fly fishing. Um, and so that was kind of fun because it's just such an artistic sport and it's always taking place in really pretty, you know, locations. Um, and so I started shooting a lot of that. And, um, but now I've kind of come back to 
kind of really just focusing and wanting to focus on landscape and nature um, as, as sort of, you know, what really drives me and gets me excited about photography. Nice. Well, I, I feel like that's a great, great intro. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, I know I've heard this from a lot of different people, but you know, you've, you've got that start in um, outdoor and environmental education. And I would love to hear about how that experience and guiding people in the outdoors and spending your time there and, and really immersing yourself in those landscapes um, has had prepared you for this type of photography. Like what, what impact did that have on you? Yeah. Well, being an outdoor and environmental educator teaches one how to subsist on very little income. So, <laughs> so I was able to leverage that to become a professional photographer pretty easily. Yeah. So um, they have it in common. I got it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always, I always joke with folks that like, you know, I, I pursued my education in natural resources and then became a seasonal, you know, guide and outdoor educator. And then I decided to really go for the big bucks and, and get my master's in, in, uh, in education and become a public school teacher, you know? Um, but no, I mean, in all, in all honesty though, like I, I mean, right out of the gate, <clears throat> I was, I've always loved being outside. Um, all of my most uh, memorable experiences growing up were, you know, I was in a, in a really pretty awesome um, scouting uh, group troop when I was growing up. And it was it was like the bad news bears of Boy Scouts were constantly camping and like just backpacking and doing canoe trips in the Adirondacks and could have cared less about uniforms and rank and merit badges and all that. It was just like a group of really cool dads and kids. And, you know, we were just constantly out camping and, you know, hiking and stuff like that. So that that's what sort of led me to pursue, you know, my undergrad in, in natural resources. So I was very much like, okay, I'm going to pursue a career that has me outside as much as possible. I was definitely not ever interested in like sitting behind a desk, wearing a suit and a tie, like, no, thank you. Um, and, and I also was, was very much kind of like not transient, but like I, I would get bored kind of easily. And so you know, if I if I could have a job that was like three months long or six months long, and then I could go do something else and do a, you know a new job in a different location, that really appealed to me when I was younger. Um, and so, just being outside, working with people, um, you know, guiding people, I always found that to be super super rewarding. Um, you know, in a number of the outdoor ed centers I worked at, we had high and low ropes courses, and right. so we would do team building and, and individual you know, challenge course type stuff and like working with those people and, and helping them kind of push their own personal boundaries um, and and do something that was really outside of their comfort zone. Um, and then just reaping the rewards of that and seeing how transformative it was for them was super, super, super rewarding. Um, and so then just, it was kind of a natural progression for me, like after doing that for a number of years and kind of deciding like, well, you know, working seasonally, and being transient is not, you know, it's, it's, it's okay for a little while. And, you know, back then we didn't have, you know, the internet or, you know, <laughs> cool, like sprinter vans and, and van culture or whatever. I mean, I'm sh we did obviously, but, but I'm, I'm kidding. But so, I, so I decided to kind of, you know, I don't know, I guess settle down if you will, but, um, and go back to school and get my master's in education. But so all of those things now, I think really 
I think are assets for me because you know the a large chunk of my photography income each year is is leading destination photography workshops. Right. And so everything that I learned and did, you know, working with people outdoors, that's all applied now. You know, I mean, you've got this diverse group of people coming from all over the place. They all have different backgrounds. They have different physical abilities. There are different points in the photographic path. And, you know, you're guiding them outdoors and, you know, being able to assess risk and, and you know, helping them be comfortable and creative and learning the photography part, like all of that, um, I definitely have leveraged from my time as, a, as an environmental educator, for sure. Right. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm guessing, I'm guessing too, that um, your knowledge of the outdoor processes and, and of, of nature and the natural world and the things that you're, you know, naturally curious about um, allows you to kind of teach some of that to your students in the photography workshops that, you know, in my experience, the more that we learn about the places we photograph and become excited about where we're at, the better photographs we can make. And I'm, I'm guessing that's kind of woven into some of your teachings. Oh, I, Matt, absolutely. I couldn't agree with what you just said more. I, mean, I think I've always thought that knowing about the landscapes in which you're you're spending time and photographing, you know, knowing, you know, the natural history, the flora and fauna, the weather patterns, the seasonal changes, things like that, um, you know, definitely enhance your own experience, but then provide you with, you know, knowledge that you can then pass on to other people that gets them excited because, Clients are always asking, you know, like, well, you know, like, what's this plant or what's, you know, well, how is this rock formed or why is, you know, why are there these, you know, these striations in, you know, in this rock or, and being able to read weather and, and, um, it, it definitely makes you a much, much better photographer. And the other thing is it makes you, because you're paying attention to that stuff, your, your, your observational skills, um, are so much more nuanced. Like you notice yes. light, you notice, you know, color variation, you notice, you know, in the springtime, let's say, like, you'll know, like, oh, this is the perfect time to be out photographing, you know, X wildflower or something, because, you know, we're now in the zone that it's going to be blooming. And these right. are prime conditions. We've had just the right amount of moisture and the temperatures and, you know, things like that. So there's no doubt about it. I think, you know, my love and, and interest in the outdoors has definitely made me a much better photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I don't know if about you, but I can kind of always tell if, a photographer has like a deep connection to nature and, and the landscape that they're photographing versus people that, you know, might not have, have that connection. They might just be there, you know, just trying to get a good photograph, which is totally fine. But you can only, I feel like there's always just that little thing that's slightly better. Yeah. No, I, I can't agree. measure. It's hard to measure. Well, and I think, I think the two are there, they sort of create this synergy Yes. You know, a little bit because, you know, you, if you're, if you're in tune with nature, then that, you know, that heightens your ability to photograph, but, and the, but then the act of photographing and being behind the lens and being really focused on what it is you're photographing heightens your, you know, your skills of observation and your experience in nature. So like the two of them are constantly just sort of feeding into that, into that loop and just making everything that much more, um, the experience that much more, more fulfilling. Yep. Yep. Well, so I know you, uh, transitioned from, uh, outdoor education into a, uh, middle school, uh, science teacher. 
<laughs> and yep. I, that's interesting. We've had a few teachers here on the podcast, but I would love to hear about <laughs> like what that experience was like and and what that experience taught you about nature and landscape photography. Uh, wow. Well, I actually, I, I joke because I, I tell people that my time as a teacher, I felt like an actor in a really bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but no, I, I, I really enjoyed teaching actually. I, and, and people would, you know, people look at you like, Whoa, you're crazy middle school. Like they're the hardest ones. And I mean, my, my own, like my own <laughs> maturity was sort of arrested at eighth grade. So like <laughs> I totally got them. Um, and when I was teaching, I was, I was in my like, you know, very early thirties and the, the, most of the kids that I was working with in, in summer camps, and in outdoor and environmental ed were of that same age. So I kind of, I knew them and I knew that I knew what they were capable of. I knew what got them going. Um, but what I guess I wasn't really super prepared for was how different like they are at in a school environment than like at like an outdoor education center, you know, where they yeah. have space to be outdoors and, you know, can throw rocks and run around and, and be, be the wild little creatures that they are. But you throw them, you know, 25 of them in a classroom uh, with a lot of rules, then it's not that fun. Um, so, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Um, but I knew that I wasn't going to do it for an entire career. Like it was, it was very much going to be something that I was going to do for a period of time. And uh -huh. then I was starting to get real, this was like in the, the late nineties. I think I got out of grad school and my wife and I got married in 1999 and then moved to Vermont and started teaching. And I taught for, um, I taught for six years full time. And then the whole time I was like, all right, I want to be, I, I think I want to try to become a professional photographer. And so my wife is also a teacher. And before we had kids, you know, we would get decent amounts of time off. And of course you'd get your summers off. And so we would travel a lot and, and, and she likes to do the same things that I do. Um, as far as being outdoors and stuff like that. And so we would travel to national parks and go on cool trips and backpacking and, and kayaking and stuff like that. And I was trying to, you know, develop like a stock, a stock archive to try to break into this, you know, nature and landscape photography world full time. Um, and of course, this was all still film. Um, and so after six years of that, then we decided to start a family and it was like, okay, well, if we're going to have kids, then we want to raise them. Um, and so it was like, all right, well, you know, can one of us not teach? Can one of us be home? And I was starting to do a little bit of work with my camera. I was selling some prints and doing some art shows, um, you know, starting to do some, some editorial work and stuff like that. So there was some income there. It wasn't, you know, enough to live on, but it was something. And it was like, well, all right, well, what if I leave teaching and try to get this, you know, business going? Um, and make money on the side. And then of course we're not paying for daycare either. So you have to count that, you know, in the yep. ledger as, as a net. Um, yep. and so that was sort of the calculus and it was like, all right, well, let's do this for a year and see where we're at and reevaluate. And if, you know, it's not working, then, you know, I can go back to teaching. Um, so I did that for one year. I was completely out of the classroom and then there were like two years after and we decided to have another kid. Um, so I have two daughters. Um, and so I went back into the classroom part time. And then I also started teaching digital photography classes at uh, Vermont State Colleges here in Montpelier. 
um, at the Community College of Vermont. And so that was great because I could teach a, you know, one evening a week um, for, you know, a 15 or 16 week semester. Um, and I actually, I still do that actually. But um, yeah, and it's, I, I enjoy it. I really, I enjoy interacting with people. But yeah, so getting out of the, so then I did uh, middle school science again for like two years, just part time. Um, and then just decided to completely cut the cord um, and not look back. And, you know, it's been now, you know, I've been full-time photographer now for 16 years. So, um, you know, and, and the business has changed, you know, there were the early years I was doing a lot of stuff that I don't do now. Like I don't really do portraits and I don't certainly, I haven't done weddings in years and years. I still do some editorial work and a little bit of commercial work and some fine art stuff, but most of it's in education. Um, so I feel like, you know, all that experience as a middle school science teacher and outdoor guide and, you know, environmental educator definitely pay dividends as far as running workshops and, and leading tours and things like that and working, working with people outside primarily. Yeah. How, how often are you not home? Um, like on the road traveling? Yeah, and teaching. Yeah, so, well, prior to COVID, I mean, everything's been kind of thrown up in the air with COVID, obviously. Totally. Um, yeah. So prior to, you know, prior to the, the pandemic, um, I don't know, I, I would say that I was averaging like 10, between eight and 10, mostly like leaning, you know, on the, the higher end, like 10 trips a year. And some of those were local, like some of them were New England, you know, so I do a couple of workshops here in Vermont, um, one in the spring. And then obviously, you know, the fall is just like a marquee time to be here. Uh, New England fall foliage is, is amazing. So I do a fall foliage workshop here and, you know, one in Acadia as well. So those are fairly close. Um, but away, yeah, probably, you know, out of the calendar year, probably at least eight to 10 weeks or more, um, which I know for some folks is not a lot. But I don't know. I That's been the thing that I think like finding that balance, you know, I thought I thought it would be easier as my kids got older to be gone. And in some respects, it's it's harder. Yes. Because when they're little, you know, they go to bed much earlier. They're not in school. They're not doing sports after school. Like they right. don't have as, their transportation needs aren't as intense. Um, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, they're intense, you know, in other ways. But um, so, yeah, I, I don't want to be gone, you know, more than I mean, if you think about it, like if you're gone 10 weeks of the year. That's 20 percent of the year that you're not there. So um, I don't I don't want to be gone more than that. I, I like being home. I, I love spending time with my family and my kids. So trying to strike that balance has been probably one of the harder parts of, of this career for sure. Yeah, that's kind of the direction I was going with the question because I feel like <clears throat> for a lot of people, that would be one of the, you know, the part of the calculus in terms of figuring out if it was something they could do in terms of the time you're away from your family. And, you know, if you're, you know, if you're not, making billions of dollars a year and your wife still has to work too and or your husband if you're if you're the woman photographer but right i feel like that that's where it gets really challenging absolutely yeah there's no question and, and, and negotiating and, all the time <laughs> yeah and and i have to say like i don't know if my wife will will she'll probably listen to it because she's she's amazing but you're um, awesome you're awesome yeah katie katie you're amazing <laughs> um, but, but she, but she really is in, 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 um, in a million ways. Um, she is, she has allowed me to do this. Like, I mean, there's no way 
right. that I would be able to do what I'm doing if it wasn't for um, for her being supportive and you know kind of holding down the fort and you know she's had um, you know she's had the the stable sort of career you know with the the stable health insurance and stuff like that which you know for all you know the freelance world out there that's that's a major that's a major deal big time. Um, and it's, you know, and especially if you're an active person and you're outdoors all the time, you know, you, there's potential yeah. for injury and stuff like that. I mean, right. Um, and my kids too are super supportive. You know, they're, I wouldn't be able to do it without their support. And if they, if I felt like I was somehow, you know, really shortchanging them or, or they were feeling um, in some way resentful of, of what I was doing, um, I wouldn't do it. I mean, they come first. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's always interesting. I, I think every family has different dynamic and kind of what's acceptable or allowable in terms of you being able to be gone. Um, I was having this conversation this last fall on my fall colors trip because one of the people we were out with, he had been out for like a week maybe, and he got a call from his wife saying that their their daughter got in trouble at school and he needed to come home, right? And he was like, well, I'm going home. And I yeah. was thinking about that for my own, for myself. And I was like, I don't know if my wife would do that to me if it was something like that. But if it was like our kid got hit by a car. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, so I think it's interesting kind of how everything, everyone's situation is just a little bit different. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I have friends whose whose spouses are definitely not as sort of forgiving right. um, and, and accepting of, you know, the lifestyle, that's for sure. I have, you know, friends who, and not only just photography friends, but I mean, there's a million careers that are just so intensive as far as travel and stuff like that, that it, it you know, it has a major negative impact on the relationship and, um, you know, and has ended, you know, many a relationship, no doubt. Yes. No doubt. Does she ever um, make fun of you, like saying, like, you're not working, you're actually out there having fun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much. <laughs> Did I strike I a nerve there a little bit? Oh, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> no, it's all good. She, I mean, when, so we've been together since undergrad. So we've, I mean, so, I mean, I, I, I've known her and, and lived with her for more than, for longer than her mom and dad did <laughs> so yeah 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 I mean, you know um so and she was in she was you know she was an outdoor educator an environmental educator and she, you know a guide and she sea kayak guided up in the san juans and um and off the coast of uh washington and and so i mean she gets it she likes being outside yeah. i think the, the the tough thing is that you know i get to you know when i'm leading a workshop or a tour you know i'm in somewhere like beautiful and incredible. And the, you know, and the people that are with me are like, that's that they're, they're on vacation. Right. Totally. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, you know, it's hard to like, you know, the really hard thing is like when you, when you do like a, a social media, you know, dispatch or something from the field. And of course, like, you know, everybody wants to make it like, oh, this is just amazing. Yeah. This that is big. awesome. You should yeah. come on these workshops. Right. Such a and good a lot time. Of, I mean, it, it, you know, let's be clear. It, it is, but, right. um, but I'll get a text like, oh yeah must really suck <laughs> like oh you know out to dinner with the clients again like uh yeah sorry that's the job and like yeah and technically it's a write-off <laughs> well there is that too but um but you know 
she is super supportive. I, there's no way I could do this without, without her support and, and the rest of my family too. I mean, when the kids were really little um, and I would go do a trip or, um, you know, my, my mom would, would come in, you know, and, and be here during the days and stuff like that and help out. And so, you know, it was, it was very much a family affair. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad you, I'm glad you found a way to, to make it work. I think a lot of people, that are aspiring to make a career of it kind of struggle with some of that minutiae, you know, in terms of how to make it work financially and also with your partner or with your kids or whatever. And it's, it's a, it's a tough calculation to make. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like you found a good balance. So far, knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit and talk more about kind of some of the more photography type stuff. This is a photography podcast, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, you have a self-admitted love affair with trees. And um, I believe you said that if you could photograph only one thing for the rest of your life, it would be trees. And I just wanted to know why. Oh, trees are just awesome, Matt. <laughs> You're not no, wrong. I, You're not <clears throat> wrong. No, I love trees. I So I grew up in the Northeast. Um, and had a lot of woods behind my house. So we had, you know, it was, it was beautiful forest, you know, north, northeastern mature hardwood forest. And we, that's where I, I played as a kid and we would build tree forts. And so we were just constantly in the woods. And uh, so I took the, I think I took trees for granted when I was growing up. And then I moved out west and I was in Colorado for a while. And obviously there's trees in Colorado, but, you know, not as many. They're different. Um, right. And, and then when I came back east, and then I went to Alaska, and where I happened to be living um, that summer, there were, there were, I mean, there were trees, but they were mostly just like, you know, spruce trees. But there, there weren't that many trees. I mean, we were kind of it was on this glacial-fed river and and um, mountains all around, and so there weren't a lot of huge trees. And so when I came back to the Northeast, it was like, whoa! I felt like I was like moving back into like a rainforest, like jungle. It was crazy, but. I've, I don't know. I've always been, I've always been like drawn to trees and wherever I go traveling, I'm, I'm super aware of the trees. Like when I get somewhere, Me too. I instantly notice like, Oh, the trees are completely different here. You know, like, you know, there aren't as many trees or they're, 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 the forest is much more sparse or it's mostly conifers or it's mostly deciduous trees or, you know, um, it might be palm. I mean, whatever it might be, I'm always like, oh, the trees are so different here. There's either more of them or less of them or how they're different. You know, the Pacific Northwest, you get these just incredible variety of trees, these big old growth, you know, Doug firs and hemlocks and stuff. And then all these yeah. crazy vine maples that are just like cloaked in vine moss. Maples. And it's, just like, I know. it's just nuts, right? Yes. And then, so I've always been drawn to them. And the other reason that I love trees is that they're, I mean, like you go to Mesa Arch, Everybody likes to bag on Mesa Arch. It's beautiful, right? I mean, of course Indeed. it's beautiful. But it's always the same. Like the rock, it's not, I mean, you come back in a million years, it'll look different. But like, it's it's basically the same. Right. The trees are always different. Even the same tree. Like I have a tree in my yard that every single fall, it's a sugar maple. And every single fall, the leaves are are a different hue. They're a different color almost every fall. Isn't the same that amazing? Tree. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, you can photograph these things, and they're constantly different. Yes. And then, you know, with, with deciduous trees, th throughout the seasons, they change so much, you know. 
part of the year they have leaves on them part of the year it's like new spring growth which is just has this like electric like mountain dew crazy vibrant green right and then in the fall they turn like these nutty colors like reds and you know oranges and yellows and purples and then in the winter they don't have any leaves but they still have like this really interesting character and then the way they interact with the atmosphere you know when fog rolls in or or when they're wet you know and the lichen you know, you might not even notice the lichen on the bark of a tree when the tree trunk is dry. But but after a heavy rain, the lichen is like, boom, you're like, holy cow. Like, that's like a whole nother ecosystem, like growing on the bark of this tree. Like, this is nuts. So, and and they're not like, no, I mean, I'm certainly, I'm sure we could put our heads together and come up with a handful of trees around the country that are iconic trees that everybody like now wants to go photograph right well there is i mean there's i i know that you could come up with a few and i could as well sure um, but they're generally not like these iconic things to photograph right um, it's not like it, uh, el capitan right it's not like oh you know the light's gonna bang tomorrow i gotta go photograph that tree Although, actually, I can think of a number of trees that where I might I was be gonna like, say, oh, yeah, I'm gonna go find probably that tree. a couple. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, especially here in Vermont, where I live, like, um, there's so many trees, right, that you can literally just, like, get out on a back road and prowl around on a foggy spring day or, you know, an autumn morning when there's some backlight or something like that. And literally any one of the trees or, or group of the trees might steal the show that morning. You don't know which ones it's going to be, right? They're always they always look different. Um, sometimes some catch your catch, catch your eye like differently than others. So I don't. I just I think and I feel so like cool. a skilled photographer can make a good photograph with trees in any condition in any light. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's so that's the other thing that I love about trees is that photographing in the forest is really difficult yes. for a lot of people. It's super challenging, right? And so I like that challenge. I Me like too. that challenge of, I mean, I love the intimate landscape. But I think I, I kind of was into shooting intimate landscapes before I ever really got into like the grand landscape, you know? Um, and so, you know, film had such a limited dynamic range and we didn't have like these ultra wide angle lenses. And so it was very much like, you know, these intimate scenes without sky and like forests where I live. And so to me, it was like the ultimate challenge trying to put together like a coherent, composition and 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 statement or thought or story in the forest and so right. um and there's forests everywhere so you can do that kind of photography almost anywhere that there are trees so i love the trees man one of the things that i obsess about for some reason i've i've, I've identified this with myself is uh i don't know what it is but i get super drawn to trees that are by themselves like if, if there's a tree growing, like, you know, you know, you take a drive into the plains or like, you know, out east of Colorado and there's like not a lot of trees at all, but there's like this one tree in the middle of a field. It's like, oh, I bet that would look yeah. amazing with like ice on it or like, yeah. I'm always looking for that single tree. Totally. <laughs> I don't know about you. Oh, no, I am. I am definitely drawn to that single tree. Um, I, I mean, right now where I'm living right now. I mean, they, they definitely exist. And and what's interesting is that they're almost invariably like a really old tree, right? Yeah. Because it's like in a cemetery or it's near a house, right? right? Or it's like the one sort of anchor tree that's left in the field. Right. Um, and that thing is like, 
you know, easily a hundred or more years old. Yeah. It has a ton right? of character. It has a ton of character. It's seen, you know, so many seasons and so many storms. Um, it has a lot of stories to tell. Man, we're going to have to title this episode like the Lorax. <laughs> I speak for the trees, for the trees have no tongues. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, I had, I, I, so I had, a, I had an old Subaru wagon when I was in college. It was all beat up and busted up and had seen a couple of accidents, none of which were my fault, of course. But uh, I'll have to dig up the picture somewhere. I wish I had it to show you. But we, my wife and I, we weren't married yet, but we, we primer black painted the whole thing. And we painted... We painted the Lorax on the on the side of it. I had on the driver's side door, I had the stump and I had the Lorax, you know, like I speak for the trees. And then on the back, we had these truffula trees coming in and we had the Wunzler's hands with the thneed hanging down. That's awesome. It was, it was awesome. Well, and for, and for for people who don't know what we're talking about, <clears throat> there, my, my favorite Dr. Seuss book when I was growing up was the Lorax, which is what oh, we're yeah. talking about. And he was this short little mystical guy that like was trying to protect this forest from getting chopped down by evil capitalists basically right. you got it man <laughs> and i just love that book but oh um, me too yeah we used to we used to actually perform um we used to perform it at campfires at this um camp i used to work out in the adirondacks when i was in college and it was just so much fun we had such a great time at the campfire performing the lorax it was great Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I was just joking, but we took that pretty far. Yeah, man. That's my little my little profile guy on Instagram is the Lorax. Right, that's right. I just I do, I remember that now. That's that's cool. <laughs> well, this must have been just like uh subliminally in my mind. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um let's talk a little bit about something slightly different. You know, as someone who has been around for a while, you know, you've been making images for Couple of years now, couple a couple of years. Um, I'm curious how you found a way to differentiate yourself and stay creative in a world that seems to value homogenization and iconography. Yeah, I think that's con- it's like a constant struggle. I think it's a constant work in progress, right? I mean, yeah. there are so many talented photographers out there now. It's just like every time I go online, I'm just like blown away. By, right, you're like I guess I'll just get rid of my I, camera now. Some days, honestly, Matt. Some days I'm like, oh, I suck. Like, same. Why am I? Why do I even bother? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but you know, I guess, and I still struggle with this. So don't, this is not me like preaching. Like I totally like, figured. I figured out how to like do it. But like I think. At a certain point, you just have to, you sort of have to tune out the noise. You just have to literally not care what other people are doing and just do the things that, that make you happy and bring you joy. Now, that's not to say that, like, you know, I don't, I love looking at photography. Like, I just, I always have. I love looking at other people's work. And it's not necessarily to, you know, to copy or whatever, but I just love photography. But at a certain point, you have, if you, if you start to feel that, like, oh, we start to feel like a little gloom and doom around it where you're just like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I feel inadequate or, you know, my work's not that good or blah, blah, blah. I think it's beneficial to turn that off yes. and just go, go shoot pictures, go get together with friends, you know, other photographer friends. You know, if you're, 
if you're if you're kind of a newer photographer, like you know, join a, a, a photography club or like a you know group of some kind, meetup group, or take a workshop or something like that, where you just go eat, sleep, breathe photography with some other you know fun people. Um, yeah, like that, do a three sixty five project or a- right, right. Find something exactly. Do yeah. something to just get yourself kind of like working and, and shooting photos, you know. I don't think I can ever turn that part of me off. Like I have a good friend who every once in a while will sort of get a little down on things and be like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to like, I, I don't know. I'm just photographers getting too expensive and I'm just going to sort of quit. And I'm like, dude, you've been a photographer so long like that. It's just so ingrained in how you see the world. Right. You can't, you could sell all your camera equipment. You're still going to be a photographer. Right. You're always going to be noticing light and shadow and, and atmosphere and line and, you know, um, interesting subjects like you cannot once you once that's clicked in your head you cannot turn it off i know it's true <laughs> it's almost it's kind of a bit of a curse but it is but kind of and a blessing. sometimes it's both and a blessing exactly but as far i don't i mean i don't know as far as differentiating myself i don't know i don't know that i really have maybe i just oh. shoot the things that make me happy um well no yeah. it's interesting um i know that uh you and my friend Ben Williamson uh, recently did a trip together to like Canyonlands. Yeah. And, you know, that whole area of around Moab. And yep. you guys, just parenthetically, you guys suck. Like how much amazing light you captured is ridiculous. That's not Dude, fair. That trip, was, that trip was, yeah. I have to say like it was one of my more productive, it was just firing the whole time. You got, you could, yeah, I was like every image you guys post, I'm like, Come on, man. That's that's pretty good. That's not fair. <laughs> but you know, that's that's cool. It's cool, man. It's cool. We'll talk about that later. But uh, what I'll say is, um, what I liked about the images you were sharing is, uh, they were from locations that I was familiar with. I'd been to before, but they were, you know, done in a very different way. For example, um, I recognized the subject of one of your images from being at the um the um grand overlook section um there oh, grandview yeah grandview but yep. you had, it looked like you had kind of hiked down maybe and like followed the rim and hiked down a little bit and found like a nice alcove yeah. that was reflecting some of that light and you know you just made like a unique image of a very popular location and um i really appreciate that kind of stuff you know it's a uh, um it's the same type of image of the same iconic location, but it's done in a way that makes it a completely unique and fresh image. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you um, saying that. I think, I guess I'm of that, that sort of, I don't know, I'm going to make myself sound like an old grumpy <laughs> guy, but I guess I'm of that sort of like school of thought and, and how I got into photography and, and my early shooting buddies and, and mentors where we didn't have like this, like we had books and magazines, like right. no internet. Right. So like, and no GPS coordinates for stuff. Like, so you'd see, you know, you'd get a book, you know, by like Tim Fitzharris, let's say. Right. And it was like, Oh my God, like this national park looks sick. Like look at all these amazing photos. And you, and you get an idea of like, Oh, well this looks like a good location. That looks like a good location. Boom, boom, boom. So then you go and you go exploring. And I guess I was always, trying to create something that was different i guess not not different for just to be different but just to go to a place and oftentimes you'd get there and be like oh well here's where that shot's from like right here 
Right. Clearly. It's usually like, pretty the, obvious. Right. Here are the rocks and, you know, oh, and it, you know, usually lines up pretty nicely. Like, you know, it's, it's a right. good composition. And I always tell people like, yeah, you should shoot, shoot that because shooting that will teach you how to do it. Totally. <laughs> right? Like you got to be able to recognize it in order to shoot it. Right. And then you get the technical mastery down and now then it's time to go exploring and find something that gets you excited um, and lines up, you know, in a different way, but also an effective way. So I, I am constantly trying to like shoot something that's new and different. And, and I mean, for better or worse, you know, back to what we were talking about before, like I'm, I haven't taken a trip to somewhere new that I've never been before in a bunch of years now. Yeah. And I mean, part of that's because of COVID and stuff, but part of it's because, okay, well, in order to, you know, make enough money to contribute to the household budget, you know, I've got like this, like, you know, tour basically for lack of better way to describe it, like during the year. And it's like, okay, well here, these are the workshops that I've been doing and they're, they're good workshops and the itineraries are great and the locations are great. And for me to go explore something new either means I need to like take something off of the tour, right. And go, so then there's money that's not coming in yep. um, or I have to add it on. And so then it's like that juggling act between like, okay, well balancing how long, you know, how much time you want to be away from family yep. and stuff. Just like, so, yeah, exactly. So, and, and so I know some people hate going back to the same locations. I personally love going back to the same locations because I feel like rarely did I make my best work the first time I visited somewhere. Totally. R- rarely. Like I have to get to know it. You know, I might get a handful of good shots or whatever from the trip, but going back to locations over and over again, I mean, A, they always look different. The weather and atmosphere is always different, right? Sure. But because you've gotten to know it, you just have this like bag of tricks on your belt. And you're like, oh, well, the weather's like this. All right, let's go smash over here because there's going to be backlight and these cottonwoods along the Colorado River are probably going to look awesome. Otherwise, there's there's nothing else to shoot, right? right? And so. And then because you've already been to a location, you're not freaking out as much in the dark at sunrise trying to like find something to, you know, to shoot or whatever, because you're like, well, I've already been here. I know that there's this and there's that and there's this over here. Right. Not to say that I still don't run around like a chicken without a head sometimes, but. Uh, I but do um, too. <laughs> oh, totally. Right. But, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's to, for me, that's like the fun part of photography is trying to come up with something that's exciting and new even if it's just for me, like I'm right. excited, you know, I like, I, and it I, might not, it might not be perfect. Right. Yeah. Rarely ever is. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. I, I love that too. It's and I don't know. It sounds like you're a lot like me in terms of enjoying the trying to unlock the puzzle, you know, totally. like, like facing the challenge of creating something new and novel and different that might not work and showing up to a spot and, trying to piece together like, you know, like the image I was describing that you had taken in Canyonlands, like, okay, like this is cool. Cause it's got, I'm in this little kind of half cave situation where if when the, you know, when the sun set, I know that the left-hand side of this wall is going to catch some of that reflected light and it's going to glow a little bit. And then I've got all these shadows and lines down here in the Canyon I can accentuate and, Oh, look at this. I've got these rocks and, and, and boulders here in the foreground that I can use to kind of anchor the, the bottom right. And like, you just start to piece together in your mind what the scene is, what the potential for the scene is. And then 
And then, of course, you just have to hope that Mother Nature is going to play along with your little design that you've created in the field there. And for me, yeah. like, I love that kind of me too. piecing together that puzzle and then knowing that the last couple pieces of the puzzle are out of your control. Like, that's kind of cool. You know, it's like, absolutely okay, got everything figured out. Hopefully it's hopefully it works. You know, absolutely, man. I like I to me, like composition is just it's so fun. Yes. I'm just fascinated by composition. Like I love just trying to like find interesting shapes and, and, you know, and angles and things like that and perspectives where, you know, you create, you just create depth, you create movement, energy, like, you know, it's just to me like that, that's the fun part. Like composition is just amazing. And it's funny, like that shot you were just talking about, like, so I would love to say that I had pre that I had scouted that spot and thought like, Oh, well, this is going to come together perfectly. If you know, once the sun rises in this one spot, but like that was one of those shots where, you know, we got, we literally got in to Moab at like, you know, 1130 at night coming from the East coast. So it's like one thirty our time. And, and, uh, you, Ben, who, you know, yeah. He's like this like weather forecasting like guru, right? Yes. And so so the whole drive from Grand Junction to Moab, he's like, dude, he's like, it's gonna bang tomorrow. I'm like, really? He's like, Yeah. He's like, We gotta get up. I'm like, oh shit. Like, okay, like tomorrow's our scouting day. Maybe okay, all right, yeah, we should get up. And sure enough, like driving out there, I was like, Holy, this is gonna go off. Yes. And so I had a couple ideas from previous trips, which I shot, and then that particular shot that you're just talking about was literally like okay me being greedy because i'm like all right I got, <laughs> I got two or three that i'm really psyched about when the light's killer like all right what else can i find and so that was one of those happy like exploratory like pressure was off because i already felt like i got a really good shot and i was like yes. all right what else can i find and it was like all right move your body kurt move your body and that's i mean that's the other thing too you got to move around you got to yeah. like you got to sniff things out you got to like hunt around if you don't move you're never going to find anything you're, just, you're not going to see anything different right yep. so i just i i don't and i it's funny like we took our clients that was during our scouting day and so unfortunately our clients didn't get to experience that epic light but um we took when we took them back there i i couldn't find that spot again <laughs> yes i awesome. literally was trying to find it i'm like where the hell, <laughs> hell did i get down there like where is that spot <laughs> <laughs> i love that i mean that's i don't know maybe it's because i it's, uh, got into this cause I was climbing mountains and you're like, a, you know, you're experiencing the mountainside for the whole first time. And you're taking pictures of things that kind of just speak to you as you're hiking. And yeah, I just love that, that coupling it with that exploratory kind of discovery mode of, Oh, that looks interesting. Well, let's go check that out. You know, I think totally, man. I think, I think you and I are similar in that respect. Like we, you would be out, scampering around exploring like little nooks and crannies of mountains like even without a camera and so oh, for I. sure <laughs> so it's like you know the camera now is just like makes it that much more fun yeah exactly and it forces you to get out too you know you're like right i need to scratch that itch totally yeah yeah that's awesome well another subject i wanted to pick your brain about is as someone who's kind of been in the game for a minute or two um is as a trend that I've kind of noticed over the last, I don't know, four or five years now. Um, and I've noticed a lot of people kind of seem to be in a rush to learn as much as they can, as fast as possible and go to as many places as they can. And, you know, like check off all of these locations on their list and, 
in the shortest amount of time. And I'm curious for you, why have you chosen to kind of take more of a, a long path where, you know, mastery takes a little bit of time? Well, I think some of it was just out of necessity, right? I mean, yeah. you know, when I got my first camera when I was getting out of college, uh, I, you know, as I described earlier, um, and it was, you know, no way to evaluate what I was doing until I got film processed. And so the learning curve was was much Right. It was, it, was, it was a more prolonged time frame, right? It wasn't instant it was, feedback. <laughs> it wasn't instant feedback. The technology was also limiting, right? I mean, like, you know, Fuji Velvia had a dynamic range of like five stops. Right. I mean, I think about that now and I'm like, good Lord. Yeah. What are we up to now? No like wonder 15 I, no wonder stops I, or something. <laughs> yeah. No wonder I shot intimate landscapes in, in soft light. <laughs> because right? like, you know, anything else was just like, banging your head against the wall um <laughs> but yeah i don't it certainly wasn't like a conscious decision to like take my time but it just was kind of like how it was back then um well, maybe and, and, a, you know, so, maybe a different way of approaching the question is what does that type of approach um afford you like what are the benefits of it well i, th I think it i think i think all of us i mean i think most artists are get better with time right i mean I mean, not all, but like, I think most of us do, right? Like, yeah. you know, learning is like this, it's like, the, you know, it's like life. It's like, there's, there's a huge arc to it. And so, um, I, I love learning. I love pushing myself. I love learning new things. Like today, it's funny. Like I, I had a print to, to make today for someone and it was a photo that they chose that was like, it's like a 10 year old photo. And I looked at the photo and I'm like, Oh, like, wow, I don't even, why do I even have that on my site still? Like, that's not very good. So I was like, well, I got to reprocess this. Oh, yeah. So reprocessing it now, you know, 10 years later, and I was a professional photographer 10 years ago. So reprocessing it now, 10 years later, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am like a completely different photographer now than I was. Yeah. So we're constantly, we're constantly evolving. We're constantly learning. Yes. Um, I think that whole rush to, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't, I guess everybody has different motivations, right? Like I sure. feel like I was, I, I was a photographer for a long time before I ever became a quote unquote professional photographer. Right. And, and you know, nowadays there's so much like you are, you can publish anything you want. You're in complete. There are no gatekeepers anymore. And which yeah, is, and I you think can get instant feedback on social media. Right. And it's not, but it's not always like thoughtful or critical, not critical in a negative sense, but critical as a, like a, right. in an objective, like, oh, you know, have you looked at this? Have you thought about this? Like, you know, how is this working? Kind are you, of, kind are you of... suggesting that fire emoji, heart <laughs> emoji, and then followed with that's a banger is not good, is not good feedback? Only if it's followed by the the hundred, the hundred. Oh you know. yeah, you need that for you sure. You gotta that's, get that. That's right? that's crucial. Yeah, but so, but then, like, why can't we? Why can't I drop a poop emoji on? Right? Like, I think you like, can. The photo is <laughs> terrible. Right? No. I, so, I don't know, man. I think everybody's got their own motivations. I I personally think that um, I have personally learned so much from the folks that have been in my sort of like inner photography circle, the people that, that took me under their wing early, whose work I thought was amazing and offered their time yes. and their, their, their expertise and their objective 
criticism, not criticism as, you know, not in a negative way, but like in a critique and a constructive, like, Hey, this, you know, this is working here. This isn't working here. Have, you know, next time try this, da, 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 da. Or, you know, one of my really good friends who, you know, I would go shooting with, you know, when I was first shooting and, and and, in film days and I would watch this guy working in the field and I'd be like, all right, I think, I think I know what he's shooting right now. Right. But you don't know until you look through the lens. And I'm like, I think I know what he's shooting. And I guess I, that's, yeah, I could see how that would work. And then he'd be like, hey, do you want to take a peek? And I'd be like, yeah, can I? And I'd look through his viewfinder and it'd be like, right. holy cow. Like, that's sort of what I thought you were shooting, but this is way better. Yes. The way you've composed it, you know, it's the way you've simplified it, the way the lines and the shapes and whatever it might be just blew my mind. And so I've always felt like those kinds of experiences where, you know, you have a good mentor or friend or teacher that can help you know help you along the way and give you you know some honest feedback i think nowadays i don't know i don't know i think there are a lot of people that are in a rush man i mean everything's it's so fast paced now yeah right everything's got to be like boom 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 now 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 right and i always laugh because it's um i feel like you can always tell who those people are because they're like every time there's some kind of special event that's happening you know like a meteor shower or a lunar eclipse or whatever and then like they don't get the photo but they still feel like they have to post something that's like that (laughs) Uh, you know it's like it's okay if you didn't get a photo of that thing that everyone else did it's it's okay like you don't have to like composite in a a moon that you didn't actually photograph just so you can feel like you can fit in like i've always it's it's just so fascinating to me to watch how people do that I, I agree. And, and also like, I mean, if you're, you know, if, if, if it's your career and like, you know, you're, you're on deadline or you have this, I don't know, whatever, you have a contract with somebody as an influencer. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't sure. do that kind of thing, but that's like, different. And, and you have to produce something that, like, I get it. You know, totally. I worked on deadlines for, for a while and still do sometimes. And like, yeah, you got to Yeah. You got to produce something. Right. But if you're, if you're somebody who's, who is doing this, you know, for fun. Um, and, and you're learning, I mean, sharing, sharing your photography is amazing, Yes. but I don't think everybody should be in a rush to do it either. Right. I think there's sometimes where you just need to kind of sit back and and let a little time go by so that you can look back at the images a little bit more objectively, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, this, (laughs) the, the muscles are no longer sore from the eight mile hike that you had to do uphill both ways. Right. That doesn't make the photo good, right? Yeah. Like, oh, well, I had to do this and I had to do that. And da, 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 yeah, da, da, that was da, an da. awesome like, experience. Well, the, okay, great. But like the photo yeah. just still doesn't speak to me. Correct. So giving some time for things to breathe and then you can come back and look at things more objectively and say, okay. And then maybe get feedback from, from you know, a close friend or, or somebody who's, you know, a respected mentor or something like that. Um, oh, I, yeah, it's I, so I, important. I mean, I don't know how many times I've, gone on a trip and then I'll come back and I'll be super excited to process the image and I feel like I crushed it and then I'll send it to somebody who I trust and they'll be like bro that looks like dogma now like what are you doing and I'm That's like a good friend though if they're willing to tell you that Matt yeah I agree and it's and it's like sometimes you're in a headspace to receive that and sometimes you're not but it's always still good to get that kind of honest feedback even if you don't aren't in the mood to get it yeah. Because they're probably right, you know. They're probably at least seventy percent right, you know. Well, at least they they 
And, and if they're not, at least they have something for you to consider and for you to like mull over and say like, well, okay, like, all right, I, I hear where you're coming from, but I actually, you know, I actually still like it, which right. is totally fine. And then it's like, I mean, okay, so defend it. Like, tell me what, what it is about right. this that you like. Right. And I then, mean, I think that's, I think that kind of thing is invaluable. And that's the thing that, you know, and this has been going on for years. I mean, I sound like a broken record whenever I'm trying in my, in my, um, I'm devoting this decade, my fifties, I'm going to be 52 in a month. I'm devoting this decade to trying to be more open-minded and positive about everything and be less, I don't want to be the grumpy old guy, Matt. Okay. I really don't. But like, well, maybe you could hold me accountable because I need some. All right, I'm here for you, man. <laughs> I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. But, but, but like, you know, your social media is like a, it's, it's a great way to share stuff. But it's just not a great way to get, really good feedback about stuff that's going to help you grow, right? Because you, it's mostly like a positive feedback loop. And so if you're just constantly, it's like the emperor with no clothes, right? I mean, like everybody's saying like, hey, you look great. That's right. freaking awesome. Yeah, nice like, outfit. Way to go. Yeah, nice outfit. But but like having, being, you know, finding a community, whether it's friends, whether it's something like, you know, like a, a like a, you know, a photo sharing forum, you know, like NPN or something like that, where you're yes. getting people that, and the dialogue is constructive and it's, it has depth, <laughs> right? Right. And it's not just like click. Yes. Like right. awesome fire banger. Go, banger, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. I think it's important. I think that's how we all grow as artists. I think, um, but having said that, I think now that there's, there is so much available information and so much whether it's locations or techniques or whatever, um, there are people like I've been amazed by by some of the folks I've seen who have gotten really really good really fast. Oh, for sure, you can. Like, I'm do like, it. holy cow! Like, way to go! Like, I can't believe you've only been shooting, you know, for five years or whatever. I know it like, is like whoa, and and it's like almost depressing. It's like, damn. I know. Well, I, I cleaned out my during COVID two winters ago. Like, I had this office space that I was, I, when we had rent, we did a big renovation project and sort of just like never finished the space. And so I was like, all right, well, COVID, I'm not going anywhere. So like I'm doing carpet and painting and da, da, da. And I'm going through file drawers of all my like slide archive. Oh yeah. Nice. And I'm just looking at these and I'm like, why do I have these? Uh These are, these are, I'm holding them up to the light and I'm looking at them and I'm like, garbage, garbage, garbage. I threw away like contractor bags full of pages of crappy old slides. Oh, Wow. But I had to ha- I had to hang on to him for that long. I had yeah. to get enough space between me and and that work. Well, all right, Kurt. So what uh, wrapping things up, um tell us about your upcoming workshop offerings. Well, um this uh spring looks pretty busy, you know, fingers crossed assuming um assuming that the you know covid doesn't get get worse worse again um and people are still able to to get out and travel, but um uh, in March, I'm participating in the Out of Chicago Live. Oh, events. me too. Yep, cool. Cool, I'll see you um, there. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then it actually looks like um, I'll be in the Smokies too for that. In oh, April. cool. Um, but then I have um, I have a workshop. Um, I have actually, although this won't air in time, but um, in May, I'll be uh, back in Olympic National Park. I've been doing an annual workshop there. Um, for years and years, but haven't been able to do it the last two years because of COVID. So I'm really excited to get back to that yeah. uh, park. That's one of my favorites. Um, it's amazing. Um, and I'll be in Death Valley in uh, March. 
And then this summer, uh, Ben Williamson and I are going to Iceland. Um, we had to cancel a tour two summers ago to Iceland that we were leading. So that's back on the books for this summer. So I've got a couple of spots for that if anyone's interested. And then my favorite workshops of the year are here in New England in the fall. So yes. it's like when we get to sort of put on the big show. Um, so Vermont in early October um, and then the White Mountains right afterward and then Acadia National Park. So all that happens sort of like in a span of two and a half weeks or so um, in the first uh, half, two thirds of October. And then we'll be back. Ben and I are going to go back to Utah uh, next November. Sweet. Uh, we had a great time this time. So if anyone's interested in any of that stuff, you can find more information on my website about that. Well, apparently you guys are the masters of harnessing the great conditions. So Yeah, well, we got every once in a while, you know, I, uh, I, I can't tell you how many days, uh, how many trips I've done to the desert where it's just been nothing but high pressure. Totally. And, you know, crystal That's pretty clear normal. blue skies. It's very normal. Yeah. I was actually, I don't, I, and actually I haven't, I haven't quite figured this out yet. I, I wanted to reach out to a few people, but I was kind of pleasantly surprised that there was as much color still um, in the cottonwoods along the Colorado River outside of Moab um, when we were there, which was like November 8th through the 12th or whatever. I was, yeah, that feels I was, normal. I thought, there, I thought there might be some still, but um, yeah. there was still quite a bit. I was really psyched. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I went down to Albuquerque last weekend for something not photography related, but I drove through big swaths of New Mexico and there was still some leaves hanging on and some of the nice. cottonwoods down there too. Nice. And it's December, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, well, climate change. Yeah. All right, Kurt. Well, that, that all sounds awesome. Who would you recommend for the podcast? Well, I have a few people that I would recommend for sure. Um, for starters, uh, I always want to give a, a big shout out to my my buddy Joe Rossback. Um, we're good friends, uh, have been for a long time. I think he'd be fun to have on the podcast. He's got a lot of crazy stories from the field. And, yeah, he does. Um, he's just one of these guys who's just, just, I don't know anybody that loves photography more than him. Like He's just constantly pushing himself, and, and uh, I think he's making some of his best work right now. So. Um, so I would recommend him um, coming from uh, sort of the lifestyle and fly fishing kind of um, angle, which uh, I personally love. Um, there's a guy named Brian O'Keefe who's been, he's probably like, you know, the fly fishing photographer for decades and decades now. And he puts out a, an, uh, an online magazine called Catch Magazine that's really photo centric and video centric, um, all about fly fishing and lifestyle fly fishing in the beautiful places that um that people go fly fishing um him and uh, another guy named brian gregson who's uh, out of montana he's a really awesome photographer he might be pretty interesting to have on traveled the world uh there's a woman whose work i've been really kind of digging lately i think she's from germany and i'll probably mispronounce her last name first name is sandra and i don't know if it's if it's bartoka it or is bartoka 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 okay. yep yeah yeah, her stuff is incredible. Um, just yeah, super surreal. Yeah, just these wonderful, intimate landscapes with like just so much cool atmosphere and, and ephemera, which is stuff I really love. Um, there's another lifestyle photographer who I think his landscape stuff is awesome. His ski photography is just off the charts good. His name is Adam Barker. He's in Utah. Um, and then 
I don't know. I shout out to some of the, like, like a guy like Clyde Butcher, I think would be cool. Like large format, eight by 10 black and white photographer out of Florida. Yep. Um, just classic Americana landscape. Um, and I'm sure he's got a lot of really cool stories to share. I love it. So great recommendations, man. Thank you. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Well, dude, this has been super fun and I, it, I think it lived up to all the expectations I had for sure. So I really <laughs> appreciated you coming on the show and, and just sharing your, your stories with us. Oh, my pleasure, Matt. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was glad, I'm glad we could finally connect, man. I really appreciate the invite. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for uh, your patience. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks to Kurt for taking the time to chat with me on the podcast this week. I had a great time hearing about your story and how you find ways to balance your home life with your professional life. Keep up the amazing work, my friend. Well, I want to take a moment to thank all of our Patreon producers. These are folks that contribute at least $20 a month to support the podcast over on Patreon. They include Carrie Randall, David Kingham, Eric Stensland, Anton Everine, William Nurse, Richard Wong, Suzanne Mathia, Frank Otto Peterson, Michael Rung, John Whitaker, Joshua Wallace, Drew Harbaugh, Jennifer King, Adam Bulliard, Michael DeMiola, Jacob Buchowski, Jay Fritz Rumpf, Charlie Vandenbrock, Jose Panacook, Rob Patterson, John Norris, Jeff Risher, Mark Gardner, Dan Hawk, Matthew Bailey, Kathy Rodriguez, Serena Jackson, Yu Chien Chan, and Craig McCord. Thank you all so very much for supporting the podcast. If you too would like to support the podcast, like all of these amazing individuals, just go to patreon.com forward slash fstop and listen. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.